You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Connection with the sermon this afternoon and our text, which will be concerning the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, especially the first two verses here, give us a perspective perspective we'll come back to on the Lord and on our work and our food and all that we do in light of His Lordship. So let's read that together. Psalm 127, a song of a sense of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, For he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. And we'll turn to the New Testament for our second reading, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 puts us right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon of our Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 6, beginning at verse 25. Here again, we have a perspective on our work and our food in light of the Lordship of God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Our text this afternoon is from the Word of God as it's summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 50 of the Heidelberg Catechism concerning the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. So let's read that together. What is the fourth petition? Give us today our daily bread. That is, Provide us with all our bodily needs, so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this past week, Wednesday evening, was not the proudest moment of our city, the Metro Vancouver area. 
of our province, our country. I can say for myself, our generation, as it was young men about my age who were wreaking havoc all over downtown Vancouver. And the images of that riot are staying with me as they probably are with you. Striking, saddening, surprising. Images of violence. Images that in your heart make you call out for justice, that justice would be done, that someone would look after this, and is there some way that we can make sure this sort of stuff doesn't happen again? But the fact is, we live in a country that where we're blessed with peace and order and law. We're quite civilized on most occasions. But there are many parts in the world where what happened on Wednesday night would barely be noticed. If you lived in Syria right now, from all reports, you would see this sort of stuff all the time. Except that there it's being perpetrated by the police, by the government. If you live in many parts of Africa, you probably live in fear. There's a lot of terrible stuff going on all around the world. And as I reflected on this last night as I was reviewing this sermon, I thought, what does all this have to do with our daily bread? Doesn't it seem, the thought went through my mind at least, it seems a little strange to be preaching about daily bread when all this stuff is happening around the world, when our our world is in chaos and upheaval, when there's injustice and crime and all sorts of misery all around. Do we really need to spend time talking about daily bread? And that's the thinking that has often affected this fourth petition that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, is this really necessary? Doesn't God have better things to look out for than our daily bread? Shouldn't we be praying for much greater and grander, deeper, more profound things than our daily bread? And that's the sort of thinking that has affected also the church as, as various interpreters and uh, from those on the very scholarly side to those who just sort of give it a passing glance. In the early church, there were several origin, Jerome, church fathers, who thought that it is just a little too lowly to pray for daily bread. Jerome, in fact, as he searched for how he could translate that, translated it as more than physical. So we would pray for, give us today our more than physical bread. We can't just pray for bread, that's too lowly. We have to pray for spiritual bread. And then, of course, you can understand that that was interpreted by the church, especially in the Middle Ages, as nothing less than the body of Christ. As they believed that in the Eucharist, the the bread was turned into the body of Christ. So that was praying for our daily mass, our daily piece of bread that was mysteriously changed into the body of Christ. Because to pray for just bread would be too lowly. 
I read a story this week of a man who did not pray this petition, couldn't bring himself to do it. He thought this was ridiculous. If I want bread, I'll just go to the store and get it. I don't need to, in a sense, waste God's time by asking for it. If I can't get it, then I'll work harder and make sure that I can. All this must be beneath God. And so we come to the fourth petition that indeed our Lord Jesus did command us to pray. And we need to understand what it is that we're praying for and let that affect our minds so that we can rightly understand what the Lord wants. Because the fact is that what the Lord teaches us here is that God is not so high, powerful, and grand that He would not want us to pray for our daily bread. Or God is not so low and weak that He can only deal with our daily bread and nothing more. No, it is because God is so powerful and so mighty and because everything in this world is under His control, is in His hands. Because everything that is good requires His blessing. And because He is the one and only God that He requires us to ask daily for our bread. In fact, when we pray to God for bread, we are praising Him for being so great and powerful and mighty and so caring that He would even provide us with our daily bread. And that's our theme then for this afternoon. Praying for bread, simple bread, lowly you might say bread, is in fact praising God. Praising God. It's praising God so that we can acknowledge that He's the only fountain of all good. It's praising God because we also acknowledge that nothing comes to us apart from His blessing. And it's praising God because it's acknowledging that He is the only God, the only one who can give us everything that we need for daily life. Praying for bread is praising God. Now, there is a sense where the Lord Jesus is talking about just bread in this petition that is just our daily needs, simply what we need. But on the other hand, The Lord Jesus is teaching us to pray about more than just bread. It's widely recognized, indeed the catechism recognizes it, that when the Lord Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread, He was teaching us to pray about our daily physical needs. The things that we need, you might say, in order to serve God in that day. So that includes our daily bread, our our food. That also includes our shelter, our clothing, That includes, you might even say, technology and its advances that help us in our service to God. The physical things and all the physical things that we need that day to serve God. That is what we pray for when we pray for our daily bread. And when we ask God for these things, and when Jesus taught us to ask God for these things, He taught us 
some very important things. The first thing that he taught us is that God has everything under his control. And that God wants us to realize that. Psalm 145. The eyes of all look to you and you give them food at their proper time. You open your hands and satisfy the desires of every living thing. If any living thing has its desire satisfied, it was the hand of the Lord that made that happen. Psalm 145 teaches that same perspective. These all, sorry, Psalm 104, these all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early, stay up late, toiling for food to eat, because it is the Lord and the Lord alone who gives everything that we need for daily life. And we could go on and on and on with passages that overflow with testimony to the power and greatness and care and providence of our Almighty God. That's what praying this petition communicates. That's what Jesus taught us as He taught us to pray this petition. Another important thing that Jesus taught us is that God wants us to ask Him for these things. He loves it when we ask Him for these things. We aren't wasting God's time. We certainly aren't wasting our own time when we ask God for these things. God loves it when we come to Him and ask Him for the, you might say, meager, simple things of daily life. Because He's the one who provides it. Jesus commands us, in fact, to pray this petition. And Paul urges us to pray. Ephesians 6. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Not just the things that in our mind are so high and mighty and important, but the things that God tells us are important. All things. All our bodily needs. So God teaches us that He wants to hear from us. And the third thing that Jesus teaches us here is that God loves to answer our prayers. God loves not only to hear our prayers, but He loves to answer our prayers every single day as we ask Him for our bodily needs, for the physical things that we need for His service that day. God loves to give each one of them to us. Psalm 145 again, the Lord is near to all who call on Him. Psalm 4, the Lord will hear me what I call to Him. Psalm 5, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Psalm 10, you hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. The Lord loves to hear and to answer our prayers. Now you put those all together in a prayer. And when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you are acknowledging all these things of God, His greatness, His power, His desire to hear, and His love for answering our requests. 
The secret of prayer that this petition teaches us is that prayer is praising. Prayer, taking these requests on our lips, is praising God for who He is. Go back to Wednesday night for a moment. Can you imagine in all that mayhem and in all that was happening there, some woman somewhere, she doesn't have to be a woman either, I just said that, calls up the Vancouver Police Department and says, could you come and help me because my cat is stuck in the tree? What's going to be the answer on the other side of that line? Uh, Excuse me, Mr. or Mrs., we sort of are involved with other things right now. Your cat's just going to have to wait because we are fighting against a riot in downtown Vancouver. We can't help you right now. What happens when we come to the Lord with our meager requests? When in light of what's happening in the world, it just doesn't seem like the right time to ask for that. What's God's answer? Does He say, no, no, I can't help you. I'm busy dealing with important things in Syria right now. No. God is almighty. God is powerful. He can deal with all that's happening in the world. And He can deal with the food that you need for today for your shelter, for your bodily needs. God says, I can help you. And when we pray to God and ask Him for our daily bread, we are acknowledging that He is the God who can do everything and who holds all things in His hands. Asking God is acknowledging God's power and providence, acknowledging that He hears and that He loves to answer And of course, also then receiving. Receiving these things acknowledges God's goodness because God is the one who gives us everything that we need. God, the triune God, is the only fountain of all good. And He gives us everything that we need from from eternal, indestructible life and salvation to that bun or that slice of pizza or sandwich that you had for lunch today. God is so great and so good that He gives us everything that we need, even our daily bread. We also praise God when we pray this petition as we acknowledge that nothing is any good without God's blessing. And this turns on its head the objection of the guy who thought, Can I really ask God for my daily bread? Can I just go out and work, earn some money, and buy it? Or go out and work, plant some wheat in the field, grow it, harvest it, and make some bread for myself? Isn't that in my control? But does that person really suppose that they can provide for themselves outside of the blessing of God? Think about that for a moment. Do we really believe that we need God's blessing for everything? 
Do we really believe, do we express that each and every day, that we need God's blessing that day? We often think, I imagine, I know I often think this, that our work is what does it. If we don't have something, then we can just work harder and get it. Of course, the Bible expresses something along these lines when Paul says, if you don't work, you don't eat. And so, of course, he's saying there that you need to work hard, use your hands in the service of God, and earn your living. But then it's argued, beyond what Paul is saying, that eating must become as a direct result of working. And it's only as a direct result of working. And this mentality lives among us, I'm sure. Because, by and large, we're people who know the value of work. We like to work. And we'll work hard when we need to. But Psalm 127 is very instructive here. Perhaps you want to turn there in your Bibles, and we'll look at that again. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Page 968 of your Pew Bibles. In Psalm 127, we get the right perspective on work. And the psalmist says there, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early, stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants his sleep to those he loves. One word that stands out in this, these verses are... Vain, vanity, meaningless, nothingness. In vain, the builders, building houses, doing good work, labor in vain. It comes to nothing. In vain, the watchman, watching over the city, a noble task, comes to nothing. In vain, you rise early, stay up late, toiling, working for food to eat. That word vain stands out. Meaningless toil, useless, toiling for food to eat. But one phrase that changes everything happens twice in these short verses. And it changes everything. Unless the Lord builds the house, then its builders labor vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city. It's stated twice for emphasis. Work is useless unless the Lord blesses it. We need the blessing of the Lord, and it's the blessing of the Lord that gives worth and value, and even eternal worth and eternal value to our work. As it contributes to good things in the present, but also contributes to God's kingdom, which endures forever. And so outside of God's work, uh, God's blessing, work is meaningless. It, it, it might be done, it might grow and, and become great things for the moment, maybe even for a hundred years, a thousand, but it will come to nothing. God does not give it His blessing. But if God blesses it, and it's for His kingdom, then it has eternal significance. But if we don't think work does it, 
we don't get busy trying to get our food, then sometimes we can think that worry will do it. I confess that at a time of being a student, having no one in our house working, I spent a lot of time worrying about money, about finances. Now, if anybody would have asked me if my worrying would have helped to put food on the table or pay the bills or whatever, I would have told them no, of course not. But the reality was that I was spending a lot of time worrying about money and about food and about daily needs. The Lord teaches us, the Lord Jesus teaches us that worry is the opposite of trusting and obeying and praying for our daily bread. He points to the birds. God gives them what they need. He points to the lilies. God gives them what they need. And he points negatively to the pagans. They run after material things. Rather than worry, he says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. He says, life is more important than food. Seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Acknowledge God's power and God's goodness first. Serve Him and trust in Him. And all these things will come. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word, by every word of blessing, that comes from the mouth of God. As the Israelites were in the wilderness, did God not give them their food every day as they needed it? And so asking the Lord for daily bread is praising God because without His blessing, all the wealth in the world is is wasted. All the work in the world is wasted. All the worry in the world is wasted. But with His blessing, even our morning toast Our house, our car, your clothes, your job are useful and productive for His kingdom. Rather than mere stuff, they become powerful vehicles and and tools and means for the service of God's name, God's kingdom, God's glory. So we acknowledge that we need God's blessing, that God's blessing makes all things good and useful when we ask Him for our daily bread. We also acknowledge that He is the one and only true God. And this is closely connected to the previous point because work and worry can easily become idols and lead us to idolatry. They can be ways that we, we seek to get a return from God. We try to earn what we get from God. And this brings us then to a verse that's probably a very likely background for this petition in the Lord's Prayer, because it's almost a verbatim quote. The verse is Proverbs 30, verse 8. Listen to what it says there. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. This proverb is one of the sayings of Agur near the end of the book of Proverbs, and then it continues... Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is God? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so this then is the mentality that the Lord would have us bring as we pray this petition every day. Don't give me too much and don't give me 
too little. And that phrase, daily bread, actually communicates that very well. We, we talked about that. It's talking about bread, about the, the simple things of daily life that we need. But at the same time, it's, it's talking about all the simple things of daily life that we need. Neither too much nor too little, O oh Lord, but give me only my daily bread. And at different times, Christians have gone to different sides on this. There were times in the Middle Ages, especially among the, the monks in the Roman Catholic Church, it exists today too, but it was more popular in those days, for a monk to take a vow of poverty and thinking that the suffering of poverty would make them more holy and also to stop themselves from falling in love with the world, with the material things of the world. So people have struggled with finding poverty to be a good thing. In our time, we tend to go the other way and we think that riches are a good thing. And this is prominent in especially the health and wealth movement. The health and wealth gospel teaches us that financial and material prosperity are direct evidence of God's blessing. So to seek after riches, wealth, and good health must show that God loves us. But the fourth petition urges us moderation. Neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread. And so we need to examine ourselves and ask whether we are truly praying this prayer with our heart of hearts. Can we say, give me neither poverty nor riches, but only our daily bread? Well, what about poverty? As the deacons have been talking about for the last few weeks, the needs in our congregation are high. This tells us that there are some in our congregation who are having a difficult time right now. Poverty? Probably not in most cases, but still, the Lord teaches us to pray for our daily bread and to be disciplined and moderate with our money, to work as we have opportunity and to stay the course, praying for our daily bread, and of course, availing ourselves of the, of the means that the Lord gives to provide, which is also the deacons. The deacons are there, we are all there for our needy brothers and sisters to help in times of need. That's one way that the Lord provides. But the real temptation for many of us is to exceed moderation and to seek after riches. King Agur communicates wisdom when he says, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Now, having wealth is not a sin, but having wealth is a temptation. Your wealth is a temptation. Seeking, selfishly seeking after wealth, the love of money, is sin. Hebrews 13 tells us, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. We live in a prosperous time, and so we need to guard ourselves against the temptations that come with having wealth. We need to guard ourselves against the sin of seeking after wealth as we look at those around us. Because the consequence of falling to that temptation is like Agur says, we would forget the Lord. We would stop trusting Him as the only provider and instead we would trust the very things that He gives us. And that's sin. 
That's rejection of God. It's terrible. It's even shameful. That's trusting the gifts rather than the giver. That's not acknowledging that God is the giver. God's the provider. God is the one who furnishes our lives in so many ways with everything that we need. Food, shelter, clothing, daily necessities, everything that we need to serve Him. But yet, when we pray this prayer with all of our heart, then we are acknowledging and and praising God as the one who gives us everything for our enjoyment. The God who pours down spiritual blessings upon us. And the God who pours down abundant material blessings as well. And so let us, every day, go to the Lord, asking Him for our daily bread, and praising Him for His majesty, for His power, and for His care over our lives. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.